Back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 64 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today, we're going to have part two of our countdown of the rankings of the New York Rangers impending free agents. And if you have not heard part one, I definitely recommend going back to Tuesday's episode. That was episode 62. What we did is the Rangers have eight impending free agents, and we are ranking them from eight to one in terms of how important they are to the Rangers going forward. And episode 62, you have the players that were ranked 8 through 5. Today, we're going to continue and finish the countdown with players 4 through 1. Again, this is just in terms of their importance to the Rangers going forward as far as who needs to remain in the fold for the Blue Shirts. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, I did want to mention that Artemi Panarin, as I'm sure a lot of you have heard, has been replaced in the All-Star game by Chris Kreider. Panarin will not make the trip due to an upper body injury. And that, of course, is the same upper body injury that kept him out of action in the Rangers' most recent game against the Islanders. And this makes me nervous because when news of the injury first surfaced, I thought the Rangers kind of downplayed it a little bit and acted as if it wasn't really anything to worry about. But then, of course, he ends up missing the game against the Islanders. And I get it because it's the last game before the All-Star break, and certainly you want to err on the side of caution. It's better to lose Artemi Panarin for one game than to lose him for five, six, seven games. But the reason why this makes me nervous is the Rangers are kind of notorious for always kind of painting a rosier picture than what reality is when it comes to injuries. Because it seems like anytime the Rangers say a player is going to, and we've talked about this, but anytime the Rangers say that a player is going to miss a certain amount of time due to an injury, you can pretty much multiply by three, and that's your real answer. And now Panarin is also going to miss the All-Star game, and I get that too. You know, ultimately it is just a meaningless exhibition, and there's really no reason to put Panarin out there on the ice and have him, you know, making his injury worse and delaying his return to the Rangers lineup. But again, you know, with the way that the Rangers are with these injuries, this does make me kind of concerned going forward. I just hope that whatever the case is, and again, it's the upper body injury, the dreaded upper body injury, so we don't know exactly what it is, but I just hope that whatever it is, this week and a half off, will give Panarin enough time to heal, and he'll be back out there against the Red Wings on the 31st when the second half of the season kicks off for the Rangers. We'll keep an eye on it. If any news breaks regarding this injury while I'm recording this, I will certainly update you guys before the episode is over. But yeah, I mean, right now, fingers crossed, because this is a guy who obviously is in the running for league MVP and certainly probably the last player, really, that the Rangers can afford to lose at this point. On the plus side, Chris Kreider gets to go to his first All-Star game as the Rangers' lone representative. Uh, the one thing here that threw me off just a little bit is I just found it kind of weird that it was Kreider and not Zabanajad, especially when you consider that the recent NHL last man in vote, it was Mika Zabanajad who was the nominee for the Rangers. And, you know, I was campaigning on here to try to get Mika into the All-Star game and trying to get everybody to vote. You know, I was voting for him. You can vote 10 times a day, and I, I was constantly voting for Mika Zabanajad to get him into this game. And I don't have a problem with the fact that Kreider is now going instead of Zibanejad. I just find it a little bit weird. 
but I suppose that Kreider has strengthened his cause in recent games because he's been on a little bit of a rampage here with these goals that he's scoring. In his last eight games, he's got five goals and two assists. But then again, you know, Mika Zibanejad in that same time has two goals and six assists. So who knows? You know, maybe this recent surge by Kreider did get him in to the All-Star game. And if you're the Rangers, now I don't want to make too big a deal about this, but Kreider obviously is a guy whose name comes up on a near constant basis in trade talks and you know the Rangers might be looking to move him and create a little bit of a bidding war as the trade deadline approaches. Now he's an all-star so maybe this gives the Rangers just another iota of leverage going forward because we can say hey you guys want to acquire Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider is an all-star so you got to come with a big offer and again I don't think it'll make too much of a difference in negotiations but it can't hurt either. You know Chris Kreider is an all-star and any team looking to trade for him they are getting an all-star in return and so they have to send something good back to the Rangers to be the team that lands Chris Kreider. Again an all-star and a big congratulations to Chris Kreider. Well deserved making his first all-star team. The other bit of news here is that Igor Shosturkin and Philip D. Giuseppe have been sent down to AHL Hartford during the All-Star break, and I'm sure the idea here is just to get both of these guys some more work. Makes perfect sense. Uh, with Philip, uh, he hasn't even dressed for a game since being called up, so probably a good idea to get him back on the ice in the minors. You know, he hasn't even seen game action for the Rangers yet, and he's just kind of been watching games from the press box. And with Shosturkin, I think... Here, the question really becomes whether or not they would immediately call him back up once the Rangers come out of the All-Star break. I would think they would, but we've talked about the three-goalie rotation, and maybe they feel that Georgiev has recently played well enough to be the starter going forward uh, for two reasons, really. One, the Rangers need to win games, and maybe the Rangers, you know, right now have the confidence in Georgiev that he can make that happen. And then also, again, perhaps have Georgiev out there as a little bit of a showcase for teams that might be looking to trade it for him. But I would still expect Shesterkin to be back on the Rangers coming out of the All-Star break. They didn't call him up from the minors this year just to play three games and then send him back down. So I would expect the Rangers, you know, coming out of the break to once again roll with the three-man goalie rotation. But for right now, it also makes sense for Shesterkin not to, uh, you know, kind of go cold. The Wolfpack have games on Friday and Saturday this weekend. Not sure if he would play in, in both of those games or maybe just one of them. But either way, good to get him back on the ice. Again, a young goalie. I don't think he's somebody that you want to have sitting around for too long. And hopefully, you know, he'll be back up uh, after the All-Star break. And we'll continue to see what this kid can do. Because he's only played in three games so far. But he's been very, very impressive. And again, Rangers goalie of the future. All right, so without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive back into these rankings, the Rangers free agents to be, ranking them from least important to most important. And once again, if you did not hear episode 62, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one first, because in that episode, we counted down numbers eight through five in terms of importance to the Rangers going forward. And if you just need a little refresher, maybe you already heard the episode. Number eight was Greg McKaig. Number seven was Michael Haley. Number six was Brendan Lemieux, and number five was Alex Georgiev. And so we'll pick up right where we left off with number four, and number four is going to be Jesper Faust. And it's crazy because you don't really think of Jesper Faust as a guy who's been in the league for that long, but he is 28 years old now, and he did make his New York Ranger debut in the 2013-2014 season. And one of the last handful of guys who was there when the Rangers were making all those deep playoff runs and going to the Stanley Cup Finals and going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and a guy who actually played quite well in the playoffs for a number of seasons with the Rangers in 39 career playoff games. He's got six goals and eight assists, so that's 14 points in just 39 career playoff games. 
which is kind of a lot by Jesper Foss standards. You know, he's not a guy who puts up big point totals year in and year out, but what he does do is he establishes a physical tone for the Rangers, and he just absolutely plays his tail off. He is an absolute grinder. And one of the things that I've always loved about Jesper Foss, and this is something that is on display this year as much as any other year that he's ever been on the Rangers, is you can put him out there with any two other Ranger forwards, and it works. You know, it just it feels right. There's never a line combination that Jesper is involved with where it feels like he's out of place. You know, early in the season this year, the Rangers had... Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin on the same line, and they've since, for the most part, broken the two of them up, and I like that. I like having one of each of them on the top two lines, but early in the season, they were on the same line. They were on the Rangers' top line, and the Rangers were throwing Jesper Foss out there with them, and he didn't feel out of place, you know, and again, you know, Jesper Foss, skill-wise, is not on the level of an Artemi Panarin or a Mika Zibanejad, but it's not like he was an anchor for that line either. You know, he kept up with those guys, and he made some plays early in the season, and he took advantage of playing on a line with two excellent players. But by that same token, you know, he can also be a bottom six forward and just be a guy who goes out there and and just kind of hits a little bit and just grinds. You know, Jesper Foss, the thing about him, he plays every shift like it's his last. He plays every game like it's his last. And you just love to see that effort and you love to see that toughness. And that's really what he brings to the Rangers. He brings that to the table far more than scoring prowess. I mean, he can score some goals. He will notch a few assists, but really he's more of a tone setting type of player. And so far this season, Jesper Foss in 47 games has eight goals and 13 assists. And he is playing out the final year of a three-year $5.55 million contract. And Foss, maybe more than anybody else on this list, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what his trade value would be for teams that are, you know, looking to put together a Stanley Cup run. Because if you're looking for somebody with, you know, big time scoring prowess, you're probably going to aim a little bit higher than Jesper Foss because, you know, in his career, he has never had more than 33 points, excuse me, 34 points in a season. He did that back in 2013, 2014 with the Rangers when he had 17 goals and 17 assists. So not somebody who's going to bring offensive fireworks, but certainly a guy that plays with, you know, a little bit of an edge and obviously a ton of grit and a ton of toughness, and he can add that to your team. So it's hard to know, you know, if a team that's looking for a depth piece, Jesper Foss would be a great depth piece for a lot of teams that are looking to contend for Stanley Cups because, you know, Jesper Foss on the Rangers is going to be playing a lot of the times maybe, you know, he'll move around from the top line to the second line to the third line. He'll kind of bounce all over the place. And like I said, that's one of his greatest attributes. He's very versatile and he never feels out of place no matter where he is. But if he goes to you know, one of the best teams in the league and a team that's looking like they're going to go on a Stanley Cup run, like, you know, the Capitals or, you know, the Avalanche or the Blues, it's very possible that Foss, simply because he's now on a better team, would be kind of a bottom six forward. You know, he'd be on the third line or maybe even the fourth line. But the thing is, Jesper Foss, as a fourth line player, there are a lot of fourth lines in this league that would be greatly improved by having Jesper Foss added to it. And so I think... He has some value there for teams that are, you know, just looking for a depth piece, looking to just kind of solidify the bottom half of their lineup and teams that, you know, maybe aren't getting, maybe teams that are a little bit top heavy and aren't getting the type of production and the type of solid play and consistent play out of their third third line and fourth line as they would like. I think certainly Jesper Foss would be a fit on a lot of teams, but by that same token, I can't imagine that Jesper Foss, if he is traded, is going to net the Rangers a King's Ransom. And I just get the feeling that Jesper Foss, it's one of those things, you know, any of these teams that are looking to trade for him probably don't see all the little things that Jesper Foss does the way that Ranger fans do. And so for that reason, I'm not so sure that he's going to be traded because, 
This is, and again, this is just a little bit of a gut feel, but I think the Rangers are going to hang on to Jesper Foss through the trade deadline, let him play out the season and finish up his contract, and then maybe look to bring him back next year as one of the few veterans still on the team. And again, maybe this is just wishful thinking because I'm a big Jesper Foss fan, but Foss currently right now is only making $1.85 million per year. So I'm thinking maybe like a three-year deal worth about $2.5 million or $2.75 million per year could get it done, could get Jesper Foss to stay with the Rangers. I'm not sure that he's going to get a whole lot more than that because, again, his offensive stats just don't dictate that he's going to be this highly sought-after free agent when free agency does roll around. Now, it's possible that the Rangers hang on to him and then he signs somewhere else, and that would be unfortunate. You know, that's clearly not ideal because then you don't get anything for him. And NHL free agency is tough because, you know, we've talked about this before, but the salary cap is so tight. And if some team comes along and they want to give Foss, say, like $3.75 million per year instead of maybe the Rangers would give him $2.75 million, then the Rangers probably have to let him walk because you can't afford to reach in free agency and you can't afford to overpay guys and give guys more than you think that they're worth or it's going to handcuff you in the future and you're not going to be able to re-sign other free agents who you value more or even free agents from other teams. You're not going to be able to bring them in as well because the salary cap, like we said, very, very tight in hockey and you just can't afford to make mistakes and, and overpay guys. You know, you just can't do it, especially if you want to put together a Stanley Cup contending team. Again, though, one of the big things that's on the Rangers' side is that Jesper Foss is not a superstar in this league. I mean, I love his style of play. He's great, but I don't think any team is going to break the bank to sign Jesper Foss in free agency. And so I think the Rangers might take their chances here, might not move him at the deadline unless they get an offer that they just can't refuse, and they will just hang on to him and let him kind of play out the season, and then hopefully bring him back next season. Like I said in the last episode, I don't think all eight guys on this list are going to get traded, and I think Jesper Foss might be one of the guys who sticks around through free agency. And the reason why this is different from like a Chris Kreider or an Alex Georgiev is you really don't want, I mean, I want Chris Kreider to stay a Ranger and I hope that they can work something out long-term with him, but you don't want to hang on to him, miss the playoffs, and then lose him in free agency and lose him for nothing. You want to get something in return for Chris Kreider. But with Jesper Foss, the return isn't going to be nearly as great as it will be for a Chris Kreider or maybe even an Alex Georgiev. So it's not a complete disaster if you don't trade Foss and you let him finish the season and then he walks in free agency. That's not going to be, you know, a franchise crushing moment if Foss walks and the Rangers don't get anything back from him. Because like I said, I don't think the return is going to be that significant anyway. So I think Foss stays. I'm definitely not 100% on this, but I think Jesper Foss stays with the Rangers through the trade deadline. And I will say, we're going to go back to the 10 scale here. 10 is the most likely that they be traded. One is the least likely. And I'm going to say it's a four out of 10 chance that Jesper Foss gets traded at the deadline. So moving up the list now to number three, and number three is going to be Ryan Strom. And some of you might already know this, and some of you may not. He was the fifth overall pick by the Islanders in the 2011 NHL draft. So despite a little bit of an underwhelming career, it's not like people weren't aware of his talent, and it's not like he wasn't once a very highly thought of young player. It's just never come to fruition in the form of you know, a monster season the way that he's having a monster season this year. And coming into the year, I wasn't exactly bullish on Ryan Strom because he just hadn't had the type of career up to this point where you would think he's the kind of guy that you would want out there as your first-line center or your second-line center. He just hadn't had that kind of production. Now, he did have a good season for the Rangers last year after being traded here in November. The Rangers sent Ryan Spooner to the Oilers in exchange for Strom, and Strom put up 18 goals and 15 assists 
in 63 games with the Rangers, so not bad. And prior to coming over to the Rangers, he had just one goal and one assist in 18 games with the Oilers. So he really kind of took off with the Rangers after that trade last season. And detractors may point out that his numbers are inflated by playing with Artemi Panarin, but what's wrong with that? You know, he got an opportunity and he cashed in on it. And hey, you know, guess what else? Here's something nobody else is talking about. Panarin is having a career year as well, and he's doing it while playing with Ryan Strom. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that Panarin is helping Strom a lot more than Strom is helping Panarin, but you also can't overlook the fact that Panarin is now having a career best season, and guess who he's been playing with for almost the entirety of that year? Yeah, it's Ryan Strom. And keep in mind, Panarin is a guy who once played on the same line as Patrick Kane, and he's having a better season with Ryan Strom than he ever did with Patrick Kane. I mean, that is just wild to think about. And I realize Panarin, he's a lot deeper into his NHL career now, and I'm sure he's become a better player than he was uh, when he was with Chicago, even though he's a very talented player at that time as well. But yeah, it's just crazy to think that Panarin is doing stuff with Ryan Strom that he never did with Patrick Kane. And, you know, hey, it takes two to tango, and Strom and and Panarin clearly have great chemistry, and it's really been a fun thing to watch this season. And with the season that Strom is having, I gotta believe that there are other teams out there that would be interested in bringing him aboard, either as a rental for the rest of this season, or maybe even a team thinks they can sign him and lock him up long term. And it's tough, you know. I think, I think Strom probably better chance than not that he gets traded. And I hate to say that because. It's fun to root for overachieving players, such as Orion Strom. He's at nearly a point per game, 12 goals and 31 assists in 48 games. And who could have possibly seen this coming? Who could have possibly known that Ryan Strom was just going to take off this season and, and just have the type of year that he's having? Still, I believe, second on the Rangers overall in points. But the fact that he's overachieving is also the exact same reason why he might get traded, because... He's a free agent after the season anyway, and the Rangers may not be confident in their ability to re-sign him, So, and they might also not think that he's 100% for real this season. They may not think that, given his track record, that he's going to duplicate this kind of success going forward, and it's hard to say. It's a tricky situation, so the Rangers might look at it like they, they should get something for him while they can, especially while his value is at an all-time high. And another reason why he would be appealing for contending teams is because he is quite capable of playing either center or wing, and it's nice to have that kind of versatility. It's a nice luxury to have, and you can use Ryan Strom in a variety of different ways. The thing that really sucks here, though, if the Rangers do end up trading Strom, is that trade where they sent Spooner away and brought in Ryan Strom was an excellent trade for the Rangers. Spooner ended up on the Canucks, and he was bought out by the Canucks, and we all see what Ryan Strom is doing this year. So the Rangers absolutely just killed the Oilers in that trade. He didn't even end up staying with the Oilers. He went over to the Canucks, and then he was bought out. And so it would certainly be nice to reap the benefits of making such a lopsided trade, but I'm just not so sure that's going to happen. I think Strom is on the move, and I think slightly better chance than not that he gets traded. I wavered between 6 and 7 here, but I'll keep it as a 6 because the Rangers do have a little bit of cap space opening up this offseason, so maybe they think that they can hang on to Ryan Strom going forward. Maybe that's something they would look to get done, but, God, you know, I just, I'm going to say 7, actually. I think I'm, I'm going to go 7 out of 10 chance that Ryan Strom gets traded. I'm trying to be, you know, a little bit bold one way or the other. I don't want to give everybody, you know, a 5 or a 6 out of 10 chance of being traded. I'm just playing it too safe if I do it that way. Let's have some fun here, and I'm going to say... 7 out of 10 chance that Ryan Strom gets traded. 
There's a part of me that hopes that I'm wrong because I really like Ryan Stroman. He's obviously had a tremendous breakout season here, but certainly you could not fault the Rangers if they traded him and if they then use that money, which may have been used to keep Ryan Stroman around, if they use that money on someone else. Maybe, like we said, you know, it's not it's not a slam dunk that Chris Kreider gets traded. I think it probably will happen, but maybe by trading Strom, you open the door a little bit to hang on to Chris Kreider. That is possible. Doesn't seem likely because the way the Rangers do business, you know, it just feels like a guy like Chris Kreider will be traded, and we're, we're going to talk about him in just a second here. But Ryan Strom's upcoming free agency will be very interesting as well because whether the Rangers trade him at the deadline or not, what kind of a contract is Ryan Strom looking at next season? Because again, with the exception of Strom's 50-point season with the Islanders in 2014-2015, he's never really had a great NHL season until this year. So he's 26 years old. Has the light bulb gone on for Strom, or is this a little bit of a fluke? And I don't know the answer to that. It's probably, you know, is he going to produce at this level every single season for the rest of his career going forward? Maybe not, but that chemistry he has with Panarin is very, very real. It's very palpable when they're on the ice, and God, I would like to see him stick around because, again, I mean, look at what Panarin's doing, and and he's having an MVP season while playing with Ryan Strom, and it's easy to kind of just brush aside what Strom is doing and just say that Panarin can go out there and do that with anybody, but guess what? He hasn't done that with anybody. He's he's always been a great player, but this is the best season of his NHL career, and Ryan Strom is a big, big part of that, so it's a tough one, man, but I'm going to say a 7 out of 10 chance that Ryan Strom gets traded, and he's definitely going to be an interesting player to watch come free agency next season. Moving up to number two, it's going to be Chris Kreider. Kreider, of course, just named to the All-Star Game. So once again, big congratulations to him. His first All-Star Game and is very much well-deserved. And he is in the final year of a four-year, $18.5 million contract. That's an average annual value of $4.625 million. And this season, he has 16 goals and 15 assists in 47 games. Now, I've already made my pitch several times on here about how to handle Chris Kreider as the trade deadline approaches. I did an episode where we basically just laid out all the options that the Rangers have as far as what they could do with him. You know, they could let him play out the deal. They could try to extend him during the season or just move him at the deadline. And more recently in episode 60, I strongly make the case for Kreider to remain a Ranger and for the Rangers brass to just sit down in a room with Kreider and see if they can't hammer something out, some kind of long-term extension before the trade deadline. At least give it a shot. You got nothing to lose. And if Kreider remains a Ranger, and that's a big if, he is certainly in the running for captain next year. I think he just kind of embodies what it is to play New York Rangers hockey. The guy plays hard every single night. He brings a little bit of everything to the table and just a hard-nosed player, an emotional player, a fiery player, a guy that I would be really happy with if he was the captain and he was the guy to lead sort of this new wave of Rangers into the future as the Rangers continue to go through this rebuild and hopefully eventually reestablish themselves as a bona fide Stanley Cup contender. And if you're the Ranger brass, don't make that a secret. You know, if you want to sit down with Chris Kreider, then like right now, then tell him that you would be in the running to be our captain next year if you're still here. And if you're Chris Kreider, I think that's got to mean something for you. I mean, I'm I'm sure he wants to cash in and get a good contract because he definitely deserves it, but that has to be appealing too, right? I mean, I would think that a guy who's played his whole career in New York with the Rangers and is, for the most part, loved by the fans, giving him the captaincy, that has to mean something. So, you know, maybe throw that out there to him. Maybe that kind of sways him a little bit. It's certainly worth a shot. But Kreider has a lot of value to this team. He goes to the net 
far more often than, than anyone else, and I don't know really who fills that role if Kreider's gone. Every Ranger power play, you know, Kreider's standing in front of the net and jostling for position with a defenseman and it taking a beating to hold his ground and looking for those tipping goals, which he's so good at. He's so good with those deflection goals in deep. And he's an elder statesman on this team. Again, one of the few guys, along with Jesper Foss, Henrik Lundqvist, Mark Stahl, one of the few guys who was here for all those deep Ranger playoff wins. I think a lot of the young players look up to him. And as I mentioned in episode 60, I really do get the feeling that this team kind of takes its cues from Chris Kreider. And that's with all due respect to some of the other Ranger leaders that they have out there. And I should also mention that I really kind of struggled with who I should rank number one and who I should rank number two. And if you've been following along with this list, then you've probably already figured out that number one is going to be Tony D'Angelo. The reason why Kreider is two and D'Angelo is one is because as much as I like Kreider and as much value as I think he has to this team, he has been in this league for nearly a decade, and he's never produced more than 53 points in a season. Uh, that came in the 2016-2017 campaign. And then last year, he got close to that mark with 52 points and should get close to that again this season, might even eclipse it this season. And these are not dreadful point totals by any stretch. Those are great seasons. And there are a lot of players who would kill to have seasons like that. But those numbers also don't scream top-of-the-line perennial all-star type player. And as much as I've been pro Kreider, even I have to concede that he's someone who has always been a very, very good player, but just not an elite player. So with Kreider, I really don't think that he's going to go somewhere else and suddenly turn into a point per game type of player. It is certainly possible that he does. But at this point, again, nearly a decade in the league feels unlikely. And it seems more likely that he'll just kind of stay where he's at. A rock solid contributor who you can rely on year in and year out and a guy who brings a lot to the table, does a lot of different things that helps the team win. Having said all that, I will admit that there certainly is a case to be made for trading him. Uh, he's at the end of his contract, and I think if you're the Rangers, the last thing you want to do is hang on to him through the deadline and then miss out on the postseason, and then he leaves in free agency anyway, and you get absolutely nothing for Chris Kreider. I get that. You don't want that to happen. And the other thing is, teams want this guy. You know, we've already heard about teams like the Avalanche, and now apparently the Bruins are lining up to make a run at Kreider. I've heard that that's like their top priority is getting Chris Kreider. So the Rangers might be able to create a serious bidding war for Chris Kreider. And it really helps them that Taylor Hall is already off the market because that means that Kreider might be the top available player out there right now. So that gives the Rangers a ton of leverage. Teams are going to be lining up around the block to you know, put together a trade package that lands them Chris Kreider. And if you're the Rangers, you'd be foolish not to at least entertain those offers and see what you can get for him. And with Kreider, he's someone who would not at all feel out of place as a top six forward on any team in this league, even the really good ones who are looking primed to go on a Stanley Cup run. One other thing I'd just like to say about Chris Kreider here as I continue to make my plea to the Rangers to hang on to him is, listen, I know the NHL salary cap is tight. We just talked about that a few minutes ago, and every decision you make as an organization is thus magnified, but the Rangers are going to get some cap relief in the near future. They are projected to have over $14 million of cap space this offseason, and then after next season, you've got guys like Henrik Lundqvist, Mark Stahl, Brendan Smith, and Pavel Buchnevich, all his free agents, all those contracts coming off the boards. The first three have big contracts, and if any of the three of them remain with the Rangers after their contracts run up, I think it's a safe assumption that they're going to be making significantly less money at that time. 
And again, you know, all that money coming off of the books after next season. So let's not act like it's impossible for the Rangers to re-sign Chris Kreider. And you could still make the argument that the right thing to do, nevertheless, is still to trade him. But it's not impossible. If the Rangers really want Chris Kreider in the fold, they can find a way to get it done. And again, you can make the case to trade him. I would like to see him stick around. I think at a certain point, having a veteran leader becomes more important than stockpiling an endless amount of draft picks and you know, upcoming prospects. Because again, the Rangers have a lot of both of those things. And a lot of these guys that were prospects are now becoming contributors on the NHL team. And at a certain point, I think a guy and a leader like Chris Kreider becomes more important than a draft pick, which may or may not pan out in the long term. But yeah, despite my pleas and despite the reasons for keeping Kreider, I get the feeling that I probably haven't swayed the Rangers front office here. I I doubt they're listening to me on any of this stuff. And I get the feeling that Chris Kreider will indeed be on the move at or near the deadline, and I'll say an 8 out of 10 chance that he gets traded. I wish I could be a little bit more optimistic, but if you look at the way that the Rangers have run this franchise over the last few years, and when you look at the fact that they're 11 points out of a playoff spot, I just get the feeling that this is a trade that's going to be made, and there's going to be teams throwing their names in the hat and teams coming up with good offers to get Chris Kreider, and it would just kind of be in step with what the Rangers have done these last few seasons. Again, they've had fire sales at each of the last two trade deadlines, and I just get the feeling that they're not done and that they're going to continue to cycle these veteran players out and bring younger players in. That's just, it it lines up with, with how they've done business recently. And as much as I'd like to see Kreider here, I can at least understand where the Rangers are coming from. And so that's why, again, I'm going to be a little bit bold here, and I'm going to say, 8 out of 10 chance that Chris Kreider gets Dell. Again, I don't want to just give out 5s and 6s. I want to be a little bit bold and, and kind of go one way or the other. So, yeah, Kreider, 8 out of 10 chance that he gets traded before or at the trade deadline this season. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see him stick around, but I get the feeling he's going to be on the move. And that brings us to number one on our list of the Rangers' impending free agents, and that, of course, is Tony D'Angelo. He has had just a great breakout season here. He is playing on a one-year, $925,000 contract. He has 12 goals and 25 assists in 48 games this year and has recently stepped up his game defensively a little bit. Still, you know, not perfect back there, but he's getting better. You can definitely see that, and he plays with an edge and a fire that I think Ranger fans really like. And the reason why, the biggest reason why he's number one ahead of Chris Kreider and everyone else on this list is because I just think he has the most upside of any one of them. And by a pretty considerable amount, especially when you consider the fact that he's a defenseman, because you've got a guy who for many years can be a big-time contributor on both ends of the rink. And, you know, you look at a guy like Ryan Strom having a great breakout season, but he's been in the league for seven years, and it's not unfair to say, again, that his numbers have been helped at least a little bit by Artemi Panarin. And good for Strom for taking advantage of the opportunity. But I don't see him get getting much better than he is right now. And you could say the same thing for Chris Kreider. You know, he's been in the league for almost a decade, and he's a darn good player and a guy that I want to see stay on the Rangers for a lot of years going forward. But again, neither one of those guys to me has the look of being, you know, the absolute best in what they do. You know, some of the absolute best forwards in the league. I don't think either one will ever get to that level. Tony D'Angelo could end up being one of the best defensemen in this league. It is certainly possible. He is not a superstar yet either, but he's just getting started in his career. This is technically his fourth season in the league, but it's only the second time that he's played more than 39 games. So just kind of getting rolling at the NHL level, 
He's someone who's not afraid to drive to the net if he's got the puck. His passing has been excellent this season, and he's been great on the power play as well. Three power play goals and nine power play assists. And when the Rangers traded for Tony D'Angelo, I think they saw him as something of a pep project because they sent away Derek Stepan and Ante Ranta to the Coyotes in exchange for D'Angelo and a first-round pick. And that pick, by the way, was used to select Leas Anderson. And we all know about how well that's gone so far. So Tony D'Angelo really turning out to be the most valuable player of that entire trade. And again, given the position that he plays, I think it makes Tony D'Angelo that much more valuable than any of the other impending Ranger free agents because you just don't get this kind of offensive production out of that many defensemen. Now, the Rangers do have some guys who can chip in from the blue line when you look at Adam Fox and Jacob Truba. And those guys are both here long term. But I'd really be a fan of keeping this group intact by by having D'Angelo in the fold for many years going forward. You look at those Ranger playoff teams that made those deep playoff runs. It was always anchored by a great group of defensemen. So I'm all for building up the blue line and, and keeping these guys here long term. And again, you know, guys like Mark Stahl, Henrik Lundqvist, all these big contracts coming off the table in seasons going forward, you're going to need somebody to replace Mark Stahl. Why not Tony D'Angelo? Why not give Tony D'Angelo the kind of bucks that Mark Stahl has been making? I mean, D'Angelo, certainly at this point in their career, clearly the better player and clearly with more long-term potential. Now, keeping D'Angelo around is going to be tricky, though, for several reasons. Uh, First of all, this is by far the best season he has ever had at the NHL level. Uh, he played 39 games for the Coyotes in 2016-2017 and had five goals and nine assists. And then in 32 games with the Rangers in 2017-2018, zero goals and eight assists. Last year, 61 games, four goals and 26 assists. So he has already set a new career high in point totals this season with 12 goals and 25 assists. And the biggest thing that makes this difficult as far as you know, signing Tony D'Angelo long-term is how do we know that he's for real? Because again, he's never had a season this good in his life. But to me, this looks like a guy who is simply rounding into form. Keep in mind, just 24 years old here, he was taken by the Lightning in the first round of the 2014 NHL draft, going number 19 overall. And given that he's still so young, I think it seems far more likely that this is a guy who was a little rough around the edges, who had to just kind of fine-tune the finer points of his game, and he's just now starting to put the pieces together again at the young age of 24. I think that that's far more likely than D'Angelo being a flash-in-the-pan, one-year wonder type of player. Because, again, especially when you look at his age, I think he's a guy who's going to continue to get better. Everything about Tony D'Angelo, from his youth to his improving stats year after year, to his draft pedigree, to just the eye test, everything points to this being a player that's going to continue to get better and better, and whose potential is basically limitless. And D'Angelo is another player who I think the Rangers brass should at least sit down with during the season before the trade deadline and see if it might be possible to get him to sign an extension. Now, D'Angelo, he knows the kind of season he's having, so he might say no way, but at least give it a shot. You've got nothing to lose. The Rangers, again, they have money coming off the books these next two off-seasons, and open up the checkbook for guys like D'Angelo or Crowder. You got to keep somebody, man. You got to keep one of these big-time Ranger players in the full going forward. Again, you can't trade all eight players on this list. Uh, another hurdle to clear here, though, is that D'Angelo and the Rangers had a little bit of a rocky contract negotiation session this past offseason. So does that carry over to this offseason? And did the relationship between D'Angelo and the front office suffer? As far as a 10 scale on D'Angelo, he's another really tough one to rank because the Rangers might look at D'Angelo and think that his value is as high as it has ever been and that teams will line up to sign an offensive-minded defenseman as a rental going into the playoffs. 
Furthermore, they might also feel like they have other defensemen who are going to need to get paid in the future. You know, Adam Fox is among them, and Fox isn't a free agent until after the 2021-2022 season. So to me, I think you cross that bridge when you come to it. That's far enough in the future that I don't think you can worry about that. But I don't think signing D'Angelo now dooms the Rangers to losing Adam Fox in free agency. So I would look to get something done. And on the other side, you know, do you see the season that this guy's having? And do you remember the trade that you made to get him? You gave away two very solid Ranger defensemen to bring this guy in. You took a big gamble if you're the Rangers. You took a massive gamble here on a guy who hadn't done much of anything at the NHL level. Don't you want to reap the benefits of knocking it out of the park with that trade? Because, you know, Stepan, he's declined in, in Arizona. And I hate to say that because I was a big Derek Stepan fan when he was here. And Antti Ranta, you know, he's had his moments, but he played his best hockey when he was on the Rangers as well. So the Rangers clearly, clearly won this trade. And I think if you want to really enjoy the fruits of that labor and you really want this this deal to pay off, then you got to figure out a way to sign D'Angelo long-term. And as far as the 10 scale, this one really is up in the air for me. So I got to go 5 out of 10 that D'Angelo is traded for all those reasons that I just mentioned. You can make a case either way, but I think D'Angelo more than anybody else is the New York Ranger free agent that needs to be here going forward. You got to hang on to this guy. He has a chance to become just a fantastic player in this league. And that's not the kind of player that you let just walk away or that you deal at the trade deadline. You know, the Rangers are rebuilding. So why would you trade a 24 year old, right? Kind of seems counterproductive. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode here. We went a little bit long today, but you know, hey, time flies when you're talking Ranger hockey. So again, we'll be back here with a new episode tomorrow and I will see you guys then.